Good morning. It's good to be together in fellowship and gathering around God's Word. We're continuing in our series on the fruit of the Spirit, and our study for today is the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Our Bible reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this joy that is the gift you have given to us through your Holy Spirit. As we think about joy in the scriptures this morning, we pray that you would speak into each of our hearts and fill us afresh with that wonderful joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I was 15 years old when I first came into Hamilton Baptist Church. I'd been raised in a very formal Presbyterian church in Edinburgh, and you couldn't have described the worship there as being anything close to joyful. But uh, I, when we moved into Hamilton, I went to Hamilton Academy, I met some young folks who were Christians, and they invited me to a Bible study. And uh, having gone to the Bible study a few week, for a few weeks, they then invited me to come along to the evening service and to the youth fellowship afterwards. And the experience I had when I came to the church was different to anything I had ever experienced before. Just going through the doors and getting a welcome such as I did from those who were on the door, uh, going into the congregation and feeling a buzz of excitement and expectancy and vibrancy, and then those hymns. I had never heard any of those hymns ever before. Uh, at that time we sang from the Sankey Sacred Songs and Solos book, uh, great gospel hymns, and, uh, and they really touched my heart. They still are a blessing to me even today. And so I encountered joy in a way I had not anticipated. A wee bit uh, like the shepherds on the Bethlehem hillside that night, as they were looking after the sheep, uh, an angelic choir appeared and uh, declared to them good news that will bring great joy to all people. They were surprised by joy. I was surprised by joy. In his book, Miracle on the River Kwai, 
Ernest Gordon speaks about people in the world who look at some Christians uh, and they see people who have managed to extract the bubbles from the champagne of life. What a terrible indictment that is, to have extracted the bubbles from the champagne of life. Someone else described joyless Christians as creaking in body and soul as they limp along the highway to glory. May, may we never be people like that. May we be Christians whose lives reflect the joy of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and when people meet us and interact with us, May that joy touch their lives and draw them closer to Jesus. Rendell Harris says this, Joy is the strength of the people of God. It is their characteristic mark. Joy is mentioned 63 times in the New Testament, and the word rejoice is mentioned 30 times. This shows us how important joy is in the Scriptures, and how important joy is to the Christian believer. So let's think first of all about the definition of joy. One dictionary defines joy as an emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something good or satisfying. That definition shows how far away uh, the world's understanding of joy has moved from the Christian's understanding of joy as we see it in the scriptures. As far as most people today are concerned, joy is related to the good things that happen to them in life, to the happy feelings that they have. But if things aren't good, then they're not experiencing joy. They only experience joy if everything is going well. Well, that isn't the way that the New Testament understands joy in the scriptures. However, the perspective of some Christians comes pretty close to that, unfortunately. In the middle of the 20th century, in the 1960s, there was uh, 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 an erroneous, defective theology called the prosperity gospel that arose. And those who were pushing that said, God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and happy and anything that doesn't make you healthy wealthy or happy isn't part of God's will for your life where would that have left Job for example he lost all of these things where would it have left Paul because Paul suffered great persecution and suffering for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ the joy that the Bible speaks about isn't just an emotion it, it is indeed an attitude of the heart. It's a condition of the heart that is dwelt by the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Epps says this, Joy is not a fleeting happiness or a spiritual giddiness, but an inward consistent satisfaction, a gladness of heart that fills one's entire being. The very famous American evangelist of the 19th century, D.L. Moody, remarked, Happiness is caused by things that happen around me, and circumstances will mar it. But joy flows on through the dark. Joy flows in the night as well as in the day. Joy flows through persecution and opposition. It is an unceasing fountain bubbling up in the heart 
a secret spring the world can't see and doesn't know anything about. The Lord gives his people perpetual joy when they walk in obedience to him. That's the definition of joy. It's, it's uh, knowing the Lord Jesus with us in the midst of all of the circumstances of life and trusting him uh, and relying on him. That's the definition of joy, the source of joy. Well, anyone can experience the natural emotion we call happiness. But the joy the Bible speaks about is a supernatural gift God has given to us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. The Greek word for joy is kara, and the Greek word for grace is charis, and these words come from the same root. Joy is, in essence, a response to grace. Therefore, God himself is the source of joy. The joy that comes from the Lord, that is an expression of his inner being. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah 8.5 recalls a time when Ezra and Nehemiah opened the book, the scrolls of God's word, and began to read them before the people. And uh, they said, Don't mourn or weep on a day such as this, for today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. Go and celebrate, don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And that's true for us today as we gather together and as we open up the pages of God's word and as we take in the truth that God has for us there. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We should not be dejected or sad. We should find our joy rooted firmly in him. A little girl thought that Principal Rainey went to heaven every night because when she saw him each day, he was such a joyful person. Well, Principal Rainey coined a, a, a familiar metaphor to explain the fruit of joy, and it's this. He said, joy is the flag which has flown from the castle of the heart in which the king is in residence. My dear brothers and sisters, the king in residence in your heart and life today, then the flag of joy is flying over you. Thirdly, let's think about the focus of joy. What is this joy that we're talking about that we find in God? Well, first of all, it's joy in God's worth, who he is. Psalm 32.11 tells us, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, all you who obey him. Shout for joy, all you whose hearts are pure. We bear the fruit of joy in our lives when we are able to delight in God for who he is. In Philippians 4.4, Paul says this to us, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Whether life's pathway is rough or smooth, we can always find joy through meditating on who our God is. And who is he, our God? He is, first of all, the God who made us. As David says in Psalm 139, 13, 
You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. This is the God who knows us. It's the God who made us. And he knows us so thoroughly that Jesus said even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So when we are meditating on the joy of God's worth, who he is, we realize he's the God who made us and he's the God who loved us. Jeremiah 31 and verse 3. I have loved you, my people, he says, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. This is the God whom we meditate on and in whom we rest this morning, the God who made us, the God who loves us. Charles Stanley, the well-known American Baptist preacher, said this, Long ago I came to the total assurance that God loves me. God knows where I am every second of the day, and God is bigger than any problem life's circumstances can throw at me. The God who made us, the God who loves us, we continue to think about the worth of this God because he is the God who helps us. In Isaiah 43, 1-4 Listen to the Lord your God who created you, the one who formed you. Do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You're mine. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's the God who helps us as we're going through times of deep darkness and difficulty. And so we take joy in this God. We rejoice find joy in God's worth. Also, we take joy in God's word and what he has said. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God. When the unbeliever reads God's word, it brings conviction of sin to their heart. But when the believer reads God's word, it brings joy. We take joy as we open up the word of God, as we are doing this morning, as we are thinking about these many verses, we are taking joy in God's word. And we also take joy in God's works, the things that he has done. And the greatest work of all is the work of salvation. And that was our reading this morning in 1 Peter 1, where Peter gives praise to God by his great mercy. We've been born again. We live with great expectation. We have a priceless inheritance. And uh, he goes on to say, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation ready to be revealed in the last day for all to see uh, and so even although we are going through trials for a little while the trials show our faith is genuine and uh, even although we uh, do not see him we love him we trust him and we rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy and the reward for trusting him the salvation of your souls what he has done for us in Jesus Christ uh, 
All that we've thought about recently as we've celebrated Easter, all that he did in going to the cross for us, the forgiveness of sins, the gift of new life, the prospect of eternal hope. So we take joy in God's worth, joy in God's word, joy in God's works, and joy in God's way, how he's doing things in our lives right now, day by day. Psalm 25 verse 10 says, The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness. That's something we must never forget when we are going through times of difficulty. Just because we are Christians doesn't mean that we escape from difficulties and hardships that other people experience in life. Strange as it seems, it's these very difficulties that so often bring joy up to the surface as we rejoice in God in the midst of our difficulties. Because the Bible speaks of having joy and suffering. James 1, 2. When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You know when your faith's tested, endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Billy Graham's father-in-law was a missionary in China, J. Nelson Bell. And in his younger days, uh, J. Nelson Bell's young, young son died while they were in China. And as he returned from his son's grave, he wrote to his mother, There are tears in our eyes, but joy in our hearts joy in the midst of our sufferings when Jesus is reigning over our lives and when the Holy Spirit's living within us then we can experience joy in the deepest sufferings and joy in persecution Jesus said in Matthew five twelve, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against followers be happy about it be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. It's not easy to experience joy in the midst of persecution. One person who did was Dr. Viktor Frankl. He wrote a marvellous book called Man's Search for Meaning. Imprisoned by the Nazis during World War II because he was a Jew, his wife, his children, his parents, they were all killed in the Holocaust. Made by the Gestapo to strip naked, he said to himself as they cut away the wedding band from off his finger, You can take away my wife, you can take away my children, you can strip me of my clothes and my freedom, but there is one thing no person can ever take away from me, and that is my freedom to choose how I will react to what happens to me. So that even in the midst of the deepest persecution, we can choose joy. And we can pray for those who persecute us and lie about us and do all kinds of unspeakable evil to us. The definition of joy, the source of joy, the focus of joy, and finally the stimulus to joy. And the stimulus to joy is none other than Jesus himself. Having spoken to his disciples about the importance of abiding in him, 
Jesus says in John 15:11, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The more we abide in Jesus Christ, the greater will be our joy. Remember what Peter said in our reading in verse 8. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him. And you rejoice with an inexpressible joy, a glorious inexpressible joy. So Jesus is the stimulus to joy. And as we focus our minds and hearts and lives on him, so by his Holy Spirit who indwells within us, we are stimulated to joy. As the hymn writer said, Jesus, our only joy be thou, as thou our prize wilt be. Jesus, be thou our glory now and through eternity. So as we ponder and meditate about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of joy, it's just a thrill and a blessing to us as disciples of Jesus that the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Joy. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the joy that you have given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and by your Holy Spirit who lives within our hearts and lives. May that joy bubble up to the surface in our lives and our beings today. And may we always be known as people who are filled with that holy and inexpressible joy. We ask it in your precious name. Amen.